Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. The primary thing that we see in our text today in terms of the divinity of Christ within him being God is that he is the conquering king. He is the conquering king. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8 insists that Christ is currently ruling and reigning over all things and everything is currently in subjection under his feet. God the Father has left nothing outside of his, that is Christ, control. In other words, regardless of how many kingdoms there may or may not be, there is only one king, and this king is presently. It's not just a future reign, but presently ruling over all things. Look at verse 8, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8. Putting everything in subjection under his, that is Christ's feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. But here's the difficult part of the verse. But at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So which one is it? Did God the Father place everything in subjection under the feet of Christ so that nothing is left outside of his control, which is explicitly what the text says, or are some things under his control and yet some things are still not yet in subjection to him? which seemingly is what the last part of the verse seems to say. In your notes, I've written this. Although Jesus is currently king over all things, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Again, that's Hebrews 2, verse 8. However, nothing is outside his control. Again, Hebrews 2, 8. So Jesus is currently king of all things, in control of all things, and therefore all things fall under the banner of his sovereignty. And yet, within his sovereign control, he has determined to allow certain things to behave as though they are not yet in subjection to him. I think this is the only way we can interpret this verse without the first half being in direct contradiction to the second half. The way to read this verse, I believe faithfully, Hebrews 2 verse 8, is that if Christ, everything is a subjection under his feet, and if he is in control over all things, and yet we do not see everything in subjection to him, we must therefore conclude that God, for a time, temporarily, has allowed has allowed certain things in the created order to behave as though they are not in subjection. But objectively, the first half of verse 8, they are in subjection under his feet. All things are under King Jesus. Nothing is above him. All things are under the feet of King Jesus. And the extent and the boundaries of his sovereign control stretch over every molecule in the universe. Nothing is outside of his domain. Nothing is outside of his sovereignty. Nothing is outside 
of his kingdom. He rules and reigns and exercises sovereign control and dominance over everything. And yet in his infinite wisdom, he has ordained for some things that are under his kingship to behave as though they are not for a time, for a time. So we may wonder what God's purposes for doing this might be, but we must ultimately rest in the assurance of knowing that God does everything for our good, including his choice to temporarily allow things such as suffering and sin. What is sin other than, other than something not behaving, not conducting itself in line with God's created order, God's design, God's purpose? Sin is something, or specifically someone, you, me, not behaving in submission to Christ and his kingship. Does that mean, therefore, we are autonomous creatures and that our will somehow supersedes Christ's will? That we could truly do whatever we want? Or is Christ allowing us to rebel for a time? Allowing us to behave as though we are not in subjection to him, although in terms of objective reality, everything is subjected under his feet. Christ is king. Now, I personally believe that there are two primary kingdoms. I really do. Although I do not prescribe to two-kingdom theology. I do believe there are two kingdoms, a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. I don't believe the divide is over the sacred and the secular. I don't believe the divide is between the church and the state, for example. I believe in a separation of church and state. What I reject is a separation of God and state. Romans 13 which has been taken out of context and misinterpreted by everyone for the last two years. But what Romans 13 actually says is that the civil magistrate is God's deacon. You've heard it said, Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. Yes and amen. But if we want to be thoroughly biblical, we would also say Christ, not Caesar, is head of the state. Jesus is king of the state as well, not just the church. The civil magistrate is God's deacon, God's servant. He works for God. He is God's avenger, right? For all the kids in the room who like superheroes, the civil magistrate is the legitimate God-ordained avenger. And their job under God's orders is to go and seek justice. The state, the civil magistrate, is not a ministry of mercy, the church is a ministry of word and sacrament. The state was instituted by God to be a ministry of justice. To be a ministry of justice. But it is a ministry of justice under God's headship. Caesar is not autonomous. Caesar is not Lord. Caesar doesn't get to decide what to do. Caesar doesn't get to determine his own standard. Caesar works for God. Caesar has to play by the rules. Caesar has to stick to the script. There is one universal, absolute, eternal, immutable, unchanging standard, and it is the law of God, and it is for everyone, not just the pastor, not just the church, but for Caesar, for the civil magistrate, 
for governors, for presidents, and mayors, and police officers, and Congress, and the House of Reps. Everyone must bow their knee to King Jesus. And everyone is actually, whether they realize it or not, in subjection to King Jesus. And the only reason certain individuals may rebel for a time may behave as though they are not in subjection to Jesus is because Jesus in his sovereign will has allowed it. Why? For the same reason he ordains and allows all things for his glory. For his glory. God has chosen temporarily to tolerate sin and rebellion to his own authority so that in the end, through the redemption of some, and the judgment of others, he might be glorified and seen as both gracious and just for all eternity. God allowed sin because he decided that sin would serve as the black velvet backdrop that would make the diamond of his holiness and his mercy shine all the brighter. Everything he does is good. Everything he does is right. For him to choose, for some to bow their knees by grace and choose that others would ultimately in the end be judged and that their knees would bow by force is his choice. And for those who might feel as though it's unfair, the counter argument comes from Romans 9, which says, who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Has the clay the right to argue with the potter who formed it? Out of the same lump of clay, some for noble purposes and some for common use. It's the potter's freedom. The freedom of the potter, the rights of the, the potter, the, the authority of the potter. He has, he has the right to determine what to will, what to do, who to save, who to condemn. But even for those who will be judged, even for those he has chosen not to save, the scripture is clear that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Your knees will either bow now by grace or they will bow one day by force. But every knee will bow. And that will not, the point of this text, that will not be the moment when Christ is finally then king. No, that will be the moment that everything finally behaves as though his kingship, which has been objectively true all along, they finally behave in alignment with that truth. Jesus is not becoming king, brothers and sisters. Jesus is king. He is king. And one by one, he is subjecting his enemies as a footstool for his feet. They are in subjection now, but he is defeating them and making them behave as though they're in subjection one by one according to his plan for his wise and holy purposes. And you and I, we should trust in that plan. Why would God allow certain things to happen to our nation? Why would God allow for tyranny? Why would God allow for things to happen on the world stage and so much corruption for, for 
truth to be suppressed and people to be censored and the depletion of free speech and all these different things that we see, why would God allow for these things? We must believe that it's not because these things are outside of his control. We must believe that God temporarily allows for these things because God is a good storyteller. And it's his story. He's writing the story. He's already written the story. We're just seeing it play out. And when the story finally concludes and we all stand before the throne, sing worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain. All honor, all praise, and all glory, all dominion be to him forever and ever and ever. When that moment comes, I assure you, brothers and sisters, all of us will say, we will say, he wrote the perfect story. And I would not change a thing. All the suffering, all the sin, the difficult parts, I didn't understand all of it was necessary. All of it was perfect. All of it served to magnify his glory. And his glory is our good. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.